Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we have a fun episode. We're going to talk about technology and commercials and just commercials in general. And, you know, everyone loves commercials, right? That's that's everyone's favorite part of watching TV is watching the advertisements, as I'm sure we'll find out. That's not true, Drew. I hate commercials. I mean, I watch two programs at the same time. My husband hates it because I watch so I can miss commercials. And a lot of them are synchronized commercials. Like, so, you know, if you're on channel A and a commercial comes on and go to channel B, another commercial call. I hate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was being sarcastic. I also hate commercials. And that's one of the reasons I mostly like streaming is that streaming has, for the most part, gotten rid of commercials. So we don't watch Really, like the most time, the most often we see a commercial is like in front of a movie, which I don't really like commercials at all. So having to watch it before a movie sort of uh, is a bad experience. But they've also got some really good commercials from time to time. So there's that as well. But but I think the commercials now, and this seems to be true. I think 2020 started, but it seems to be on an upward upward incline of these people trying to force you into buying things, you know? So like you look at a mm-hmm. medicine, you know, and they read all the things that can happen if you take the medicine and they're just more and more of those and other commercials. Like, so crypto uh, Coinbase and crypto has commercials mm-hmm. running that will end currency as we know it, you know, it's time to update the system and they, they have a great commercial. I don't know if you've seen it, but it starts out with the early money, right? So what, you know, people used to barter or trade with, you know, and it could have been anything. You know, there was a time when ivory was money. Mm-hmm. And you know, they walk through it to they get to modern day where we have, you know, printed money and coins. And they say it's time to update the system. I think that with a lot of these commercials and a lot of these things, you know, we heard a lot about indoctrination during the, the political campaigns of various candidates that were running. But they're also these commercials are also that way because think of someone my age and, and I'm only 19 in spirit might be a hundred <laughs> in person. But like, if you don't know, you could fall victim to it so easily because it sounds so good. You're going to make mm-hmm. all your problems go away. They're going to solve all the problem. And what you find out is there's no vetting of these commercials. They just come onto the marketplace and overwhelm consumers. And, and a lot of people say, well, social media is going the same way. So Facebook uh, is loaded with commercials, you know, and all kinds of little things. I think there's a way to, prevent all of them from popping up, but they show up in your feed. Mm-hmm. TikTok is full. I mean, tick, I think TikTok is all just people want to be seen and selling things. I mean, like you could buy perfume and, 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 and what they really do, which is very interesting is they never tell you where to buy it. <laughs> they just say, go get this thing right here. So they don't mention Amazon, eBay, Target, whoever, they don't mention any of those places. Just say, you know, this new perfume is the best perfume ever. Yeah. You may or may not get the name of the perfume, but not where you can go get the perfume, you know. So I think that one of the problems with commercials is like we don't have any security safeguards around them. Right. So, you know, there are these weight loss commercials, you know, and, you know, we, we know the history of weight loss from back in the 70s and 80s. People being ad- addicted to these drugs for weight mm-hmm. loss and they lead to other drugs and things like that. So I think that commercials need someone to monitor or at least view them before they're released to the public to make sure that they're not hurting people who are not necessarily familiar with the 
pros and cons of these products, people who are susceptible to identity theft, all of these things mm-hmm. need more safeguards, Drew. Oh, yeah. Well, especially like where I always see it is uh, the pharmaceutical commercials, like a pharmaceutical commercial comes on and, you know, they pretty much say like, hey, take this pill and you'll feel amazing 100 percent of your life. Uh, You know, side effects include uh, fainting, diarrhea, blah, 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 like all those other things. And it's just like, oh, well, that that sounds awful. But like they have to say, I guess there are some like regulations as far as medical stuff goes. But the thing to me that's sort of scary is like you were talking about TikTok, like what what constitutes a commercial on TikTok, right? Like a lot of the like influencer space can be product placement, you know, where they're going to wear a fancy watch and maybe talk about the watch. And just like you said, they're not going to say go to fancywatch.com or whatever, but they're going to show it off and then leave it up to the uh, viewers to sort of go and and find it, which is I mean, I think that's fine it's fine to make money like that but i think being open about it is probably best like you know like having to say like hey by the way this is a commercial or hey by the way fancy maker is paying me to say this like or they're giving me something you know like it's not a one-way relationship with these uh with influencers and their audiences like i think you want to know who's who's paying for this stuff to be said Right. And that's what they're they're counting on. And I mean, this started out in Facebook. I think TikTok has taken it to a whole nother level. But there were these people who were constantly posting and posting about something commercial, you know. And I think one of the things would be helpful, Drew, if we could do in one of our podcasts coming up is to look at capitalism and technology, because I mm-hmm. think that a lot of what drives this, you know, there's been talk, a lot of talk about the government defaulting on its debt, you know, and, you know, this this confrontation if you will between the republicans and democrats i mean you just use just pure common sense they're not going to default they're going to figure something out they might take it down to the last days but they will figure something out because it's not only impacting the united states it's not only impacting poor people it's going to impact everybody it's not just going to impact just those marginalized communities but everybody and i think that when we when we talk about these commercials and things the link to capitalism is so tightly engripped in that, you know, like oh, yeah. you know, when's the last time you seen an Apple Watch commercial? Only when, I mean, not Apple Watch, iPhone. When they released a new phone, you were bombarded by it. Mm-hmm. Then another three or four months after that, and then they go away. Yeah. These other companies like Google Pixel, you can't get away from it. It's oh, everywhere, yeah. you know, and it's like, I get it. They're trying to sell this phone and they're hoping we are vulnerable enough to run out and buy it. But my husband was saying the other night, well, I want to get one of those. And I said, what you just said is that if you get that phone, you're going to give Google every single part of your life, at least with Apple, you have some safeguards. But with this phone, you do not. Every text you send, every call you have, Google now has access to it. Because when you sign that terms of service, you need to read every word in that. So, (laughs) you know, just something about that. But we're going back to our main talk topic is commercial so drew let me ask you this so you are a connoisseur of everything media in some form or another so not yes. just movies but 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 other things too correct yes uh, at least i tell myself that every morning <laughs> when i wake up and evening before i go to bed but i, I consider I, myself mostly a media expert <laughs> absolutely we do too and so i think that you know we always say this but drew's no knows everything you know so just in case you didn't know you have a question drew knows everything so <laughs> 
I thought we could talk about some of these commercials out. So um, I was trying to think about, you know, the history of TV commercials, right? So you go mm-hmm. back to the, when was the TV introduced in the 50s or something? I don't remember exactly. Yeah, 40s, I think. Yeah. So when you think about that, initially it was more news than entertainment. Then it got more entertainment than news. And you get this balance between the three big television uh, uh providers and then you get these commercials right so somebody's trying to sell detergent or a car or something and some of the commercials are really really cute they really are from from the day yeah but Drew, let me ask you this so when you think about commercials and their origin and where we are now how do you see technology influencing those commercials and can you give us an example of where technology has driven the marketplace yeah, yeah. So like, I guess when I think about the origins of commercials, really, the first thing I think about is uh, radio, right? Like even so before the 40s, everybody listened to the radio, or so I hear I was not alive in the 40s. But uh, <laughs> if uh, media is to believe people love the radio, and the radio, like, you know, we think of radio as pretty low tech, and for the most part, it is. But you know, it hadn't been around forever or it hadn't been harnessed forever. You know, it's only in the electronic age and the age where we found, you know, sound waves and stuff like that, that that could even exist. But with uh, radio commercials, they were little like stories. They were almost like little movies, right? They had to do special effects. I think that's where we got like the horses clomping, you know, using like a split coconut to do uh, horses and even like little radio plays like that. And then we can even jump back to like the uh, War of the Worlds. Was that the radio show where, uh, you know, it was pretty much just a, a movie set to radio that uh, maybe some people thought was real. I don't it sounds like maybe that was is uh, it's a little bit of an urban legend as far as the freak out went with people thinking that the world was being invaded by aliens. But, you know, I think it's an, a very interesting use of technology that's strictly audio Uh and then and, when and can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. How is radio different from podcasts? So early radio was in a station and only certain people got to be on the air. But now today you can have your own YouTube channel. You can mm-hmm. do what we're doing. I mean, like, how is radio different from these non-visual um media? Yeah. So originally, and this is still mostly the case with radio, like uh you would have to have a broadcaster's license. So you would need something from the, I think it's the FCC, Federal Communications Division, because what they're doing is they have a giant uh, broadcast antenna and they're really just sending out, you know, these invisible waves of sound for as far as that antenna can push out, right? Like it's probably going to be roughly the size of a city or a county. So when you turn your radio on, you're just receiving these signals that are constantly uh periating periating the right word i don't know if that's the right word but constantly reaching in and permeating yes permeate there we go they're like they're touching everything so it's like when you turn on your radio you're not sucking in a signal you're just picking up what was coming through it uh already and i think that's why it's so like heavily regulated is because it is everywhere and like there's sort of no escaping radio right like there are radio waves flowing through our bodies uh right now and hopefully they're not causing any any damage i think all the science says they're not causing any 
any well, damage. Considering how much plastic is uh, is inside of us now, you know what else can there be? But yeah. but 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 going on to what you were saying about how radio and commercials on radio has come, you know, to a place where you know back in the day that was really the only medium the general public had, you know, to communicate mm-hmm. and learn how things are going around them. But as you look at at that medium to where we were with television, television ads, television mm-hmm. commercials, you know, how many of us remember the uh, Leave it to Beaver commercial where, um, I can't think of her name right now, but she's in the kitchen making something and she points to the refrigerator, I guess it's some little tiny little refrigerator that had been sold in one of these commercials. And she says, what would I do without this? I can't remember what it was called. It was like, just funny to think about that. Here was this clean cut mom. We all wanted to be our mother, you know, and all that. And here she is marketing products. Why she wouldn't do it. You know, you were never caught it if you weren't paying attention, but I I want you to go further. What you were saying about radio. So we, we, we got, we, we had radio and then eventually television came to the marketplace where, what drove that and where is that now leading? So I guess everybody wants more realistic entertainment, right? And when you're thinking about radio, radio is actually like a very like sort of creative format because when you hear things, you fill in the rest with your brain, right? So if you're hearing an audio play about something, you're not just hearing the audio, your brain is filling in the pictures and actually showing everything which is i think like great and that's sort of a probably an art form that's going to be lost within the next 50 years if it's not completely lost already but it's almost similar to reading right like you read a book and you just you fill in all those holes that are in between the words and you get like a really crisp picture of what is being said and i think television sort of continues that along, right? They just fill in more of the holes for you. There, You still do have to use your imagination a little bit or suspend your disbelief on some things. But it's sort of, I guess, like sort of saying that out loud, maybe that's sort of bad for storytelling because they are showing you exactly what they want you to see instead of leaving it up to the viewer's imagination. But, you know, that's what people want. So that's what the entertainment world did. And now we have, you know, we started with those TVs that were like very poor quality. Do you ever go back and watch a VHS that like we used to think was so great to watch? And now the quality is just awful, like compared to all of our, you know, high def screens that are super, super high resolution now and having to watch these old things. It's like, how did I even understand what was going on there? Uh, But the technology improved uh, and continues to improve. You know, we keep getting uh, higher resolution TVs. Uh, I think a lot of that's because of Moore's Law, where all these transistors are getting smaller and more capable. So we can just fit more into less space, which is very cool. Uh, But yeah, it really gives a, a great form of entertainment. I mean, you know, thinking about those old movies, which movies have been around for longer than TV since movies have been around since roughly the like 1900 or 1895. And, you know, TV, TVs didn't even come around till 1940. So if you wanted to see an actual moving picture, you had to go, you know, pay a nickel and see, go to a theater to see it, which is sort of cool, makes it more special. But now technology is just bring it into, into your house, right? Like we used to think watching movies in the theater was the only way to go because the screen was so big. 
And while that can still be said for a lot of movies, I think there's a lot of things that are just as impactful watching it at home on your big TV versus watching it in a theater filled with people. So it gives you more more options. That's exactly right. And I think that, that even further, if you look at the um, the improvements or van- advancements in in TVs. You know, I mean, like for less than a thousand dollars, you can get a seventy inch TV. I mean, you may, you may, it may only be UHD. I mean, you're not going to get, and it may have 4K, but you know, the, there's a step up now and that's more pricey. And I think you can say that for all technologies, you know, when it first comes out, it's pricey, but as it, it's around for a while, you drop the cost because if, I don't know if you remember this, um, but a VCR used to cost over $1,100. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and you could buy one now for about $20, you know, anywhere. So, you know, I have a uh, real DVD players throughout my whole house. I don't think mm-hmm. I have any one I paid over a hundred dollars for. I can remember when they were terribly expensive. And oh yeah. I was, I was thinking about when you said you could go to the movie for a nickel. I bet you wish you could go to the movie now for a nickel, don't you, Drew? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like so, that would so be awesome. It would, but you know, never again. Somebody was remarking to me about the price of bread. I said, when I was a kid, you could get bread for a nickel. You got a lot more than you got. Now you got a long loaf. Now they have these condensed loaves that might have six slices in it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. being vicious, but you know, whatever. But you, I have a question for you. So what are your favorite commercials that you've seen in recent memory? Or you don't go back further. Mm-hmm. And do you see technology in those those movies or those commercials? So I would say yes to technology in almost every single one. I think my favorite commercial, and we may share this one, is the uh, Macintosh 1984 commercial. Great commercial. Yeah, yeah. And for those that haven't seen it, uh, it's pretty much at the time, IBM was the biggest uh, like computing. IBM was computers. And it was very like business oriented, very... I won't say IBM was boring, but they were very like suit and tie culture. And I think they are, they're still very like suit and tie culture. Uh, look, and when They're loosening the grip a little bit. But I remember when I worked for IBM in the early 80s, there's three rules, black, blue, and gray suits only. <laughs> Could not wear red fingernail polish or red lipstick. You had to dress formally, just about, and I don't mean a tuxedo, but a suit and yeah. tie, a dress or something of that nature. Every day you went to the work, you represented IBM. You could not gamble uh, excessively. I mean, it was almost as bad as getting an FBI clearance. You know, they had this long list of things you could or could not do. Uh, I think that what Apple brought was fun. It looked like it was going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. And in the commercial, they're literally like, you know, there's a, a, you know, everybody's dressed in gray appropriately for IBM. There's like a overlord head on the computer talking about things. And then in runs this uh, woman in like brightly colored clothing with a sledgehammer, throws the sledgehammer up at the screen. The screen shatters like all of the sort of zombie drones, I guess, gain enlightenment after that thing was crashed. But it was very cool. And then it says... What is it like 1984 isn't going to be like the 1984 book or whatever. Uh, 1984 movie. Okay. 1984 movie. Yeah. And it was just very like, uh, uh, very, it's very cool. And it was to me, that was like the first artistic type commercial that I saw. Like it was a, you know, more or less a tiny film that uh, conveyed a very quick short story. And I think all of it, I think, commercials that tell stories are always sort of my favorite ones because they sort of they keep you more engaged and you don't feel like you're just sitting there being sold something right absolutely so 
of the of your favorite. So I have three favorites. I think uh, the goat and Geico. <laughs> but this this is hilarious. So you're always looking for somebody to blame. And that's so true. It's a true statement. And so here, this goat and this black woman are working on an assembly line for peanut butter. It's just so hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. So uh, something goes, the white man comes rushing in. What's going on here? And of course, the goat makes some sound, which irritates the black woman. It's hilarious. This is absolutely hilarious. And so my question always is, is that a real goat or was some sort of PowerPoint or automated thing they put in the screen? Um, how did they get the goat to, you know, and I'm sure the goat probably screamed some other time and they just captured the sound and was able to coordinate it with the goat opening his mouth. But it's just such a beautiful commercial. Oh, yeah. And what I didn't what I didn't see, and I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but what I didn't see was where the technology was in that commercial because it looked just like more manual labor, blue collar working, stuff like that. But it yeah. was with, with a joke, you know, it made you made you smile. Yeah. And so I had never seen that commercial until uh, you sent it over for this podcast. And it was very it was almost sort of disturbing. Like that screaming goat is very unnatural. And I think but I think about the technology in that commercial. I mean, I think it's all in the fake goat. Right. There's this goat CGI goat, you know, working on an assembly line and then giving this like really otherworldly scream, which uh as a horror fan, I really appreciated, but I don't know that I would like that. <laughs> like if I was just watching a normal TV show, it, it was that it, it's about three or four years old now, but it was just absolutely hilarious. So when my next my next favorite is the Amazon commercial of Medusa, that oh, yeah. is just absolutely classic. But it had some tones in it that were very male, something that women just not liking men. So you know, like the people that she are, she's freezing are all men, you know, but yeah. it's a great commercial because it really does an updated look at Medusa. So if you look at where we have been in, in history, uh, you know, in these, um, I guess these creatures that we make up uh, from, from some point in time. So mm -hmm. Medusa, you, I don't, have you ever seen the movie, the class of Titans? Oh yeah. Exactly. So Medusa is, is one of their nemesis and she's roaming around and turning men to stone left and right, you know, until Harry Hamlin cuts her head off. Right. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So in a lot of ways, people have equated Medusa to black women because the snakes in her hair are braids, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, to make it even more gory, you know, we turn it into snakes. So she everything about her is bad and evil. Right. What Amazon does with their commercial is they make her look human. You know, still has the same flaws as the original Medusa, turning people to stone. But it's a yeah. great commercial. It's really a great commercial for influencing how we see these um, made-up characters, if you will. You know, I don't know if they're real or not, but but let's yeah. just, you know, they're not. I think that was a really, really good commercial. That is really interesting. Like specifically the Medusa bits. Like, and I, I'd always sort of like put together the like, oh, well, like you know, the snakes in the hair, that could be like, just like you said, like braids or dreadlocks or, you know, just some sort of yep. not, uh, not hair that we generally think about. And uh, I'd always thought that turning to stone was like a uh, sexual innuendo. I'd never really thought of that as a bad thing until uh, you just mentioned it like that. And it's like, oh yeah, that is, I don't, I mean, turning into an actual stone, like I get that that is bad, but it's, 
don't know. It's an interesting, like, I guess, allegory or it's interesting thinking about like, where did these stories come from? Like what made whoever invented the tale of Medusa, like who gave her, who made her hair snakes and who made her power turning, you know, men into rocks. Like it's, it's very interesting. And when you think about that, and I know we don't have a lot of time to speak, this is not really what we're supposed to be talking about, but I will say that that's an example of public desecration of black women in the most simplest way you know, we automatically don't like the character because she's turning people to stone, right? She lives in this dark hole underneath the ground, like, so she could be one level up from hell. You know, mm. it's just a complete attack on that image of what Black women are. So yeah. you, they couldn't come out and put a Black woman in there doing all that because they would have killed her in the first two minutes of the, the show. But what they did is they allowed people to see this character as being bad and evil. And so when you think about it coming into where we are now, Black women are still bad and evil. We just a different kind of Black, bad and evil. We still have the braids or whatever we have in our hair, but we're still bad and evil. And I think that that deployment of Medusa in that movie or in the in the readings about that really, you know, if, if you had just a little bit of thought about it, you would immediately know that was a Black woman that they were talking about, you know, in the, in that way. Because other than Bo Derek, not very many white women braided their hair. And she didn't braid hers until the 80s, late 70s. So, yeah. you know, that was what that is. And I think that when we think about how we are marketing things, like these commercials we're talking about, they're almost always an underlying tone to them, right? Yeah. So the goat commercial, why a goat and a black woman? I mean, like you could pick any, but the way they told the story about the black woman, she's angry black woman, right? So the goat screams and she takes off her glasses. She's ready to fight. It's a terrible commercial. And it's one of my favorite because it tell, it's so poignantly clear what the message is there. You know, yeah. they might be selling insurance. But they're also making another point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about that. That's absolutely right. Um, yeah. One of my favorite commercials from recent history is this is a Chevrolet commercial where uh it's about a widow. It starts with a woman whose husband is going off to the war. Uh, he doesn't come back. Uh, she makes friends with like the neighborhood kids. And then the neighborhood kids sort of take care of her uh, as she grows older. Uh, and it's all sort of told through. It's a Chevrolet commercial. So she has like a classic Chevrolet that always needs work. And then, you know, she's helped by the neighborhood kids with their like futuristic Chevrolet, not futuristic, but present time Chevrolet. Uh and that was a very good, another like very good like storytelling commercial that like, yes, I get that it's a commercial for Chevrolet and, you know, they say that right away, but it also tells like a really nice story. And it's always, I appreciate movies that are enjoyable to watch. I appreciate commercials that are enjoyable to watch versus something that's just like screaming the product name at you, which, you know, I think a lot of those, like, I think of like Snickers or something where they have those just like Snickers, 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 Snickers. It's like, yes, we get it. <laughs> just, yep. Absolutely. So, Drew, I, I want to go back and ask you something about this. So we were talking about, you know, these commercials on TV, like the pharmaceutical commercials and everything mm -hmm. they have out there. Do you think that those commercials really drive consumers to the marketplace? Do you think it really has an impact on people spending and the business just selling something to them? Do you think that there is a direct correlation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they wouldn't do it if there wasn't a they wouldn't you know 
companies are paying money to put these commercials out. And if the commercials weren't effective, then, uh, you know, they wouldn't do it. There's a lot of, and I'm also guilty of this, but I think when many people watch commercials, we watch them thinking like, yeah, I know this is a commercial, like, I'm smarter than this commercial. I don't, you know, watching a Snickers, seeing a 20 Snickers commercials is not going to make me go out and buy a Snickers. And that's sort of my mindset. But the truth of the matter is uh, people do go out and buy the Snickers, like including myself, like <laughs> sometimes I go get a Snickers. Right. And it's part of that is probably because it's been advertised to me so much and it's just in my subconscious now and it's become uh, familiar to me. And I don't, like that like it seems very manipulative of uh companies but it also makes them money so that's what they're there for is to make money so it's sort of hard to fault them as well you know but i think the problem with that is like you know this podcast is near and dear to my heart it means everything to me and when i think about you know where is the effort for the consumer so Everything says, go get this. You know, the fine print is so fine. It would take, uh, I don't, you'd have to have 10, 10 vision. I don't know what mm -hmm. is, but you know, you don't see the catch in it. All you see, so like the commercial might be in bright colors and have very, but then at the very bottom, there's this little gray thing or black thing just so small. You can't even read it, yeah. but they want the, the go to their site. That's big. You know, go, go to this place and it's big, but the parts that protect the consumer is not. You know, so these drugs that say that you can lose weight at the very bottom, it says these statements have not been something by the FDA. You know, it's like those are the kind of things that need more emphasis, need yeah. more attention to them. And while they might bring consumers to the marketplace, they might make people spend their money. You know, it's almost like identity theft. Once it's done, you can't undo it. You know, you, mm -hmm. you bought this product or you you died into it. You go to your doctor. And I mean, like, as my doctor once, um, it was after my second surgery, I found this much humor. And I said, uh, one of these commercials on TV said it'll remove all my pain. I'll feel better immediately. And I told him the name of it. And he looked at me. He said, don't be ridiculous. I don't know why they think people will go to their doctors and say, I need this. The doctor would be the one saying you need this. Not, yeah. not yeah. the other way around. But, you know. It's 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 hitting its mark the way it should, you know, because the market is flooded with these commercials. It's not just you know healthcare, but it's everything. You know, you were talking about Snickers. Look at the Reese's Cup commercial. It shows mm -hmm. it shows the cup the, the whatever it's called and the peanut and and it shows you a very close up of it. You know, so they want you to go get this. Be hungry and go get this. Did it work? I don't know, Reese's. I, I do. Did you do you watch the uh, food that builds America? Uh, uh, no, I'm not familiar with that one. I'll send it. I'll send you a link to it. It's these things that comes on the History Channel almost every. And I think it's on Sundays, but Sunday it starts like in the evening and run all the way to the dark. And each one of these things talks about how these products came to market. They do everything from alcohol to Thanksgiving. You name it, they do it. And it's very interesting to see it. And and my point in all that is like. Early business was cutthroat. They broke the law over and over and over again. So these brands that we idolize did it underhand. Very few companies mm -hmm. survived without doing something underhand, including knowingly breaking the law, not just subtly, but knowingly breaking the law.
Yeah. So, yeah. Or Oreo was one of those. Like Oreo yeah. stole its complete cookie idea from a different cookie. And then Oreo got more popular and the other one went out of business. <laughs> Sunshine. I remember Sunshine uh, products. Sunshine was on the market for a long time. But it's what you said. And I don't know if you watch Smart Shark Tank. But every once in a while, you know, they'll tell you something. You know, this market is narrow. You're not going to bring a new market to this money, this market unless you have a lot of money. So these commercials, you know, I love Oreo every now and then. But I feel guilty for eating the Oreo. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, so it pushed your company down. Maybe that's good business practice, right? You eliminate the weaker. But, you know, what we're getting now, you know, in the marketplace post-COVID, if you will, if we are past COVID, I don't know. But post-COVID is you're getting shorter and less. I mean, like, think about what a hamburger looked like four or five years ago. It was a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Wendy's single, although it isn't that hamburger anymore. I don't know why they messed up that recipe. <laughs> in a bomb, you could get a whole cheeseburger, lettuce, tomato, everything on the bun for three dollars. Mm-hmm. Now you get a bun that's the size of your one of your fingers. You know, might be a little bit longer, but it's tiny. But back to the White Castle hamburger. So while oh, they're yeah. and it's ten bucks, <laughs> right? And while they're advertising these products, you don't even know what you're putting in your body. You know, we start off by talking about this, you know, radio waves inside of us. We know we have plastic inside of us that has become a part of our bodies. You know, we we've in, in, in infused it into us and now it's there. And yeah. you're constantly putting new things in there. Read the ingredients on something before you buy it. Just pick it up and look at it. If it's got more than 10 ingredients, it's not good for you. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of artificial complexity there. So these commercials maybe hitting their mark, but people need to be wiser consumers. Why would I buy this? You know, yes, it says it's going to make me better, but on the other hand, it's going to kill me. Which do I want? I prefer to be sick. You know, I'm not ready to die yet, so let me be sick. And these are choices that people are forced to make without any education, Drew. How do we fix this? So it's hard, like, especially thinking again about the pharmaceutical advertising, like we as consumers are being bombarded with uh, pharmaceutical ads on TV, movies, commercials, everywhere. And then the doctors are also being, I won't say hassled, but like the pharmaceutical representatives are also like, that's the other battle they're fighting, right? Like the commercials are saying, go ask your doctor about this. He'll give it to you. And then the doctors are being told like, hey, we're going to take you out to lunch. Give this to your patients. Like, you know, and they have passed some laws around making the uh, pharmaceutical representatives like less, having less direct access to doctors, which is, Probably good because it sounds like they were more or less bribing doctors with like gifts to prescribe things and probably did not help the opioid uh, epidemic. That was was the one where I saw most of it, you know, where, you know, doctors were getting rich by prescribing patients high doses of opioid. And now we have an opioid uh, pandemic and and what's being Mm -hmm. done to the doctors for their part? Nothing. You know, the company that, that started this, what was it, Subsys? I believe it was the company that started this beginning of this opioid thing. I mean, like, they haven't paid a price for their part of, of it's like crack. Mm-hmm. No one has paid for causing all those people harm. You know, they didn't, not a single Black person anywhere on this planet drove a boat to Mexico and picked up some coca leaves or some crap or whatever and brought it back. It it came through America's borders somehow. Mm -hmm. So while Nancy Reagan was saying, just say no to drugs, what was really happening is people saying, yes, I want that. I want more of it. You know, 
white collar people, white collar people sniffed cork cocaine. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, something they did to, you know, release stress or whatever they did it for. Whereas crack, crack stole the very essence of who these people were. And it's like, and this is a topic for another show too. It's just like, so an assault on genocide of black people, you know, like think about that, you know, like, so majority of these people were already on welfare or some sort of level of poverty. You know, there were some, you know, affluent people who did crack, but they were able to overcome their addiction because they could go into a rehab center or something like that. Those people who were in poverty stricken communities had no place to go. And the government mm -hmm. threw up their hands and said, we have nothing to do with it. We, it's not our fault. Yeah. You know, but you got a gazillion CIA, DEA, and FBI, and you can, all the other alphabets you could put in there looking at dope, dope, constantly yeah. at, trying to see how. And I think that the commercialization of feeling good, you know, let's go on a trip to the Bahamas or let's go to Alaska, kind of fuels that part and need for drugs. Because what if you can't afford it? What if yeah. you can't afford to take your whole family? Or, you know, any number of things. And all of this is under underlined by money from big corporations and big agencies that work within the federal government without the because who else was it? You put more black people in jail because of crack, kill more black people. All of this went on while the government was literally sanctioning crack into these neighborhoods. Because mm -hmm. how does it get there, right? It's oh yeah commercialization of things do not always occur on TV. It occurs in other places, right? You can see it on the internet. You can see it in social media. And, and our government is complicit in some of this. So it's a lot to think about, but we as consumers must be more aware of what they're selling us because either they're selling it on your back, right? So you're going to pay for it. You're, you're going to suffer for it or they're selling it at your expense, i.e., it's costing you more and more to get it. So mm -hmm. either of these two things are happening at the exact same intersection with technology. And here comes technology, Drew. So what does technology mean to commercials? And not just those on television, but on the internet, social media. What does technology bring to these things and how will it affect what we see in advertising going forward? So I think it continues to make advertising more effective so like now even instead of like you know you think of a 30 minute show that'll have let's say seven minutes of commercials well the seven minutes of commercials may be gone now and it may be it especially with streaming and then all of that advertising is now going to be littered through the tv show itself right like we we're watching uh it's a netflix show called beef that was uh pretty good and like, there are so many Wendy's commercials in the TV show that it's distracting. Like they're always talking, or no, Burger King's one they're talking about. They're always talking about going to Burger King. And it's like, okay, we get it. Like this is the advertisement and there's no differentiation now between, you know, the art, the, the art film that you're watching more or less and an advertisement that wants you to go buy a Whopper. And I think where technology makes that even more scary and we'll bring old like AI and everything in is that maybe today it's talking about uh, Burger King or maybe it's talking about Burger King because I have a Burger King near me. Maybe to you, it'll uh, be a McDonald's commercial because it's a McDonald's near you. And like, how far can the advertisers stretch that or how many places can they go that there aren't going now? And I think the answer is a lot. Like what if these TV shows and movies 
were like sending you custom ads based off of, you know, all of your more or less your internet data, all the stuff that's, you know, your cell phone's emitting, like everything. Uh, now you're being advertised to that uh, right at your TV. I mean, I imagine like maybe our little Amazon device, maybe we're talking about, uh, uh, we talked about Burger King a bunch on here. Well, what if now I'm going to start watching, uh, or maybe now Netflix is going to start showing me television shows with advertisements about Burger King. And that, you know, as much as I can be aware of it, it's probably still going to drive me towards Burger King a little bit uh, or more than it would have if I hadn't seen that stuff. And that's feels very intrusive and manipulative. Right. Indoctrination. And I think that, you know, the question is, so we talk about chat GPT a lot recently, but, and, and also the writer's strike in Mm -hmm. California, you've got all the, but they're lining up for a perfect storm, right? So chat GPT is not there yet, but it's coming. And OpenAI and and all of his competitors are going to come and it's going to get better and better and better. And when you think about that in terms of television and television advertising, right? So I remember watching something about a dog show and it said that dogs' noses are like hundreds of thousands of times um, more more able to detect sense than we are, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you think about that and in, in compare it to a robot or automation, if you will, artificial intelligence. When they get to build a brain that's greater than the brightest brain we've ever had. And, you know, we make a lot of assumptions about who are smart people, but Edison was not one of them. But let's just say who the smart people were back in the day to present day. And they were able to glue, glue together that past brain with a current brain. So someone's going to listen to our podcast and Oh, Drew is Drew knows everything. So they're gonna take a part of your brain and some other and make this smart brain, a smart person. Yeah. And not for the detriment of humans, like I often say, you know, but I'm afraid of that too. But you know, they make this smart brain. Think about how great the commercials will be. So the Clyde Dale, Clydesdale's commercial with the Dalmatian, beautiful, you know, there is the little old lady, your commercial. Where's the beef? You know, these are excellent. <laughs> excellent commercials someone really thought about that you know i sent you i finally found the spectrum wi-fi and i sent that to you and mm-hmm. i'd like you to tell me what you thought about that because <laughs> okay. to me that is a brilliant commercial and think of how much better they're going to be oh yeah that was great that was one i'd never seen that was another one i'd never seen until you sent it but like it's from the perspective of your devices and they're pretty much complaining that another device is joining the network and they're all afraid they're going to lose connectivity because so many things are on the network and honestly like that's a emotion that i felt with our networks as well because i don't know 15 years ago like when you first got wi-fi like how many devices did you have on your network like probably pretty close to equal the number of people in your house right and now like it's probably pretty close to five or ten times the number of people in your house if not more than that like you know, between the three of us here, we have, I think, at least 25 or 30 devices that wow. are sharing this network. And, you know, they're not all going full speed at any time, but they're all, you know, pinging on and off. And like, that's a lot of that's a lot of data for these hard these hardware uh, Wi-Fi routers to keep track of. Right. And and, and I think that uh, in our house, we did a combination of Ethernet and Wi-Fi. We only use Wi-Fi when we're at home. We use Ethernet when, when we're doing import work. So we're on, you know, trying to 
to keep ourselves as safe as we possibly can. You mm-hmm. know, but I will say that what the commercial does a good example of talking about how these devices will affect you if they feel threatened, right? So when the 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 whichever I think I don't I think it was the refrigerator that said uh we're all gonna die and the thermostat goes up to like 350 <laughs> degrees, right? So think about who's living in that house and if the thermostat really did that, you know, yeah. or if the refrigerator started spitting out ice, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of these things are, you know. You know, worth consideration, right? So, you know, worth worth thinking about our dependence on technology and what technology may mean for us. Because, I mean, just imagine if Alexa heard that, that uh, the Wi-Fi is going to go down. What is Alexa going to do, right? So it's going to shut down everything, right? So you can't get in your house again, right? Mm -hmm. You can't open your garage. I mean, think about that just from the perspective of technology and its dependence upon the internet and conversely your dependence on those devices it really it makes me think of the 2001 like how you know the robot killing the or attempting to kill the astronaut like and a lot of I these love things that movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's great and like i had never really put it together but like when you're just talking about like the thermostat like okay like i know like thermostats can't cook human beings right now of course but uh i mean that's the sort of level we're going to right like we're temperature we're climate controlling our house which isn't necessarily life support like it is in 2001 but you know it's it's on that path right and and i think that in essence you know my word always is to our listeners and to consumers think how to protect yourself before you jump into the water know what you're getting into right so if you buy um the automated refrigerator that orders eggs for you think about what happens if that internet goes down so we I don't know if you have this, but we have a power blink where we are at least once a week, you know, and it only throws off a couple of devices like DirecTV goes bonkers. Um, but think about if that internet went down or was not available, what that might mean cost-wise first. And second, you know, how do you protect yourself and ensure against these things? So my neighbor a few doors down bought a Generac uh, power uh Got what you call it, but she bought the, yeah, generator. Yep, that helps you keep power when the lights go off. And uh, you know, like maybe she doesn't have the inconvenience we have, right? So the lights go off and have to wait for about 20 minutes for direct TV to find itself again. And you know, yeah. it's and it's it's completely on Wi-Fi, right? So what if it didn't find itself? What it didn't think yeah. the network something you know and i think that as we go forward in these chats and i know we're out of town drew but i mean i think it's really important for us to think about consumers and how do we protect them because there are a lot of people watching these tv commercials and have no idea what they're getting themselves into but they're going to click it you know yeah absolutely and i think we are at time so we'll wrap it up uh but thank you everybody for listening this was a very fun one rochelle i'm glad we did this this is uh makes me want to both eat a snickers and watch more tv for some reason <laughs> before, before you disconnect me i want you yeah. i want uh, you can turn off the record but i want you to uh watch this uh this uh this little prank um and i think you'll like it so awesome. i'm going to send it to you and i just want us to talk about it just for one second awesome. so put it in the oh. chat so Sweet. Well, I will wrap this up and we hope all of our listeners enjoyed everything and we will see you all next week. Thank you for joining us.